The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Enter Smooth Fred to save 20% at checkout. By the Beeline, Michter's, and 291 Colorado Whiskey. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. I'm excited about this week's guest, but first, I gotta tell you about Manscaped. Listen, fellas, if you're hairy, you got the hair all up in there and all down there and in your nose and your ears, you don't want to be having that hair. Just ask Pamela. Well, yeah, because every woman loves a well-groomed man. You look better, you feel better, and the ladies love you. What's not to like, right? All right, so listen up, fellas, because today we do have a new Manscaped product alert. They've just released the Weed Whacker. It's a nose and ear hair trimmer. Just take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you're going to see hair sticking out of those holes. (laughs) So it's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven you know, that area down there. Manscaped forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, tugs, and those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Impressive, huh? Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is water proof which makes for easy operation and cleaning get 20 percent off right now and free shipping all you have to do is go to manscape.com and use the code smooth fred smooth fred all one word 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com what are you waiting for go whack your weeds so thanks for that, Pamela. It's always uh, it's always important to get our grooming uh, lessons from you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so listen, this week uh, our guest is Uncle Cracker. Matt Schaefer is his name, and he did a couple firsts in the show. I mean, he just butt- busted out straight up smoking cigarettes on here. Never happened to me before, and I think it's a little bit because, man, this dude's just bringing it. He is who he is. He reminds me a lot of me. In a, in a different fashion because he just doesn't give a fuck. He's going to be out there doing it. And he wants to learn and he wants to do his thing. He's going to make his music. He doesn't care about genres. I think you're going to love this interview with um, with Matt or Uncle Cracker. And I meant what I said in this interview. Like, his music's everywhere. And I did a lot of drinking to his music back in the day, maybe even to this day. So uh, I hope you enjoy this interview with Uncle Cracker. He is, uh, man, he's one hell of a talent, so go download all his stuff as soon as you can and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Also, sip some good whiskey. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. 
Victor's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado Whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com Ride it like you stole it, drink it like you own it, live fast, drink responsibly. Joining the Fred Minnick Show on the Beeline Hotline, go to findyoursippingpoint.com. Uh, Matt Schaefer, otherwise known as Uncle Cracker, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Man, it's a real pleasure to uh, speak with you. As I mentioned before we, we started recording here, I've just been a big fan. I love your music. You've been you've been such an inspiration to, you know, a lot of the good times I've had in my life. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. What is it about like what what you your music is? It really I mean I, I this this may sound weird, but your music really gravitates strongly to bars. Like I can't tell you how many bar stools I've sat on and listened to you. <laughs> Well, what is it about your your style that gets you into bars so much? I, I don't think if it's a oh my gosh, Fred, did you just hear the heater kick on in here? No, that's okay. Okay, I didn't yeah, I actually I didn't hear it, and I got I got like these ultra like you know radar headphones on. All right, all right. I I turned down. I turned off the smoke eater thing in here, and I forgot to turn the thermostat off just in case something like that would happen. Of course, I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh, what is it about uh, the music and the bar? And maybe it's because I, I don't. I have a pretty good relationship with bars, so it might just be. Uh, it might just be a. I don't know. It definitely couldn't possibly just be coincidental. I think. Uh, I don't know why it lends itself to. Most music, I think, lends itself to a bar if, if uh, you know, in the right setting, I guess, or, or the right, you know, when you think about music and, you know, what somebody would actually be doing in a bar, whether they be celebrating or, you know, crying about something or running from something or... Uh, I think I'm, it, I think I'm just going to go down your catalog here. Uh, Drift Away was pretty much like in every uh, every 
almost every place I would go to when I was in my early 20s, you know, just constant song uh, that's just everywhere in the places I'd hang. Uh, Follow Me was basically like, you know, that's the that, that's the song that you're feeling right before you're go, about to go on a date and you're trying to get, you know, jazzed up, you know. <laughs> and and they, you know, good to be me is like, uh, you know what? I'm fucking proud of myself right now. You know, I mean, and you're, and you're having that celebratory drink. I mean, you're just your stuff is just it's everywhere you know like in in it's all it, it's in every bar i've ever been to and i just really and as as someone who is a lifelong uh let's say um taster of the good stuff uh <laughs> you've been with me a few times let's just put it that uh, way <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, i make a pretty good wingman well, and then here you just, you, you know, you're my first guest to light up a cigarette in the middle of the show. So, I mean, you just only, you're like tell you're just only showing me the truth here that I'm right. Like, you're like old school, you know, Frank Sinatra style. Like, we're talking just stuff being in bars and then, boom. I'm sorry. I should have asked. Like, no, I'm it's sorry. awesome. Sorry. Um, I love it. So what, so what is your relationship with whiskey? So, uh, yeah, I didn't want to get too into depth earlier, but I guess my relationship with whiskey has always been a pretty, uh, it's pretty much the only thing I do drink these days is, uh, wow, whiskey. Um, but it's early on, it was almost like a dare. I think, you know, when we were younger, it was, you know, sure. We'd steal beer out of our parents' fridge and, things like that you know if you could sneak some wine coolers or something like that but then then things kind of got real when somebody suggested we we get a hold of some Jim Beam and uh and I remember it was only Jim Beam because I would hear Hank Williams Jr. singing about it Mm. so the the whole Hank Jr. and the, the Jim Beam and I don't know if that made us feel cooler that there was some type of a I don't know if it was so I would take my Dr. Pepper and mix it with the Jim Beam. I'm going back to like 15, 16. After wine coolers became boring. and mm-hmm. uh, Remember the old like Matilda Bay? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You're probably way younger than I am. Fred. We're, we're not too far off. You're, you're 47? 46. 46? 46. I'm 42. 42. All right. So yeah, we're close. Me. So you might not remember like Matilda Bay or uh, Sun Country used to come in two liters, hmm. like plastic two liter bottles. They were fun looking. Uh, man. Did you like ever a, did you ever drink cool. Zimas? So, I, I yeah, I did. <laughs> Not not like uh not like my buddies did. I mean, it was just like if it was either a wine cooler or a Zima, you know, it's the same thing in my opinion. Back then, it was I don't know. I I'll be honest. So I've never as much as I've drank in my life and still do. I never really start out drinking thinking like this is so good. Mm. This is great. It never really starts tasting good until like. Well, until you start feeling better, 
then it starts tasting better, tasting good. And uh, so, back the Zimas were, uh, you didn't have to worry about it, you know, tasting bad or, you know, especially when you're young. This tasted good. And then they used to throw Jolly Ranchers in them Zimas back then. They would throw a little Jolly Rancher, like a little watermelon in there to just to spark, just to make the Zima taste like watermelon. And uh, I don't know. They did all kinds of crazy stuff just to get you to, uh, just to get you to taste stuff. Now we're like, I, I sent you, I sent you some, I'll, I'll go over what I sent you. Uh, I sent you was probably one of the most coveted things out there in kind of like the like bourbon geekdom world and smoke wagon. This is distilled in Indiana. This is a 13 year old, uh, no, a 12 year old bourbon. Uh, I sent you Which a, one is that one, Fred? That, that one's smoke wagon. Okay, smoke, okay. smoke wagon. I sent you Rabbit Hole, a six year old uh, ride. Now, this is up for my best American whiskey. Of uh, oh, of 2020, wow. so it's a heavy hitter. And then I sent you a uh, collaboration, which is finished in uh, Muscatel barrels, uh, Muscat Ooh. barrels, which it'll be on the sweeter side. I've got a 14-year-old uh, uh, bourbon from uh, Indiana I sent you. And then I sent you just good old-fashioned everyday uh, Elijah Craig. And I sent you. I Very sent you my book too. I sent you my book too. So when you get uh, when you get to study, and I love it. You're gonna. You're gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna really bring it in for you. You're gonna. You're gonna read that, and you're gonna become a connoisseur. I can feel it. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. And I, and I and I heard through the grapevine that you used to drink vodka, and there's a whole there's a section in there about why vodka sucks. So make sure you pay close <laughs> attention to that one. <laughs> I only did vodka for calorie reasons. Uh, you... Strictly, that was it. There was a minute where I I cared for a little <laughs> while, and then my my uh, my caring about calories comes and goes. Once in a great while, when I get nervous and scared, then I start caring. Then I get comfortable again. And then you go back to the bourbon. You know, and, and life and life repeats itself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, it is it is funny as as we get older. You know, and I've noticed this. You know, I when I was in my twenties, and I could eat anything, right, and just and eat and drink anything, and just it'd be fine. You know, I might maybe gain a couple pounds here and there. But in your forties, like I just I just built a a fire pit in my backyard. I could barely walk because I was carrying all the stones. I wasn't lifting with my back. I was lifting with my leg. I could barely walk. <laughs> <laughs> it gets tougher, man. The older you get, the more uh, it gets tougher. Like and you're like like we talked about. You're a little younger than I am, but it only it doesn't get easier. That's for sure. That's why. Uh, that's what I meant about you know when I start caring, I start. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, I'll get nervous. You know, you'll go for. Well, you'll go for your checkup, and they tell you what you got to bring up and what you got to bring down, and depending on which doctor it is, you know, if you get the one guy who wants to sell you the supplements or you want to do the other <laughs> it depends on which guy you're talking to well basically all my doctors are like uh you do what for a living you drink for a living <laughs> <laughs> and then they do my they do my liver panel they're like wow you have a really good efficient liver you have like you're like a have the perfect liver however you're fat so you need to lose weight so <laughs> 
I've been getting that one my whole life. You know what? Here's to the, here's to us fatties. You know, let's go to uh, let's go to glass one. Let's start with the Elijah Craig. Okay, old faithful here. Okay, I gotta grab my glass. Now you'll be happy to know it's it. You know, it's five o'clock. It's five o'clock for me. I think it's your your it's five o'clock for you too, right? Are we both East Coast? Yep, yeah, East Coast. So so we're drinking at five o'clock, and you were my first person to drink with today. So oh my goodness. yeah, so this is like normally I start at like ten in the morning, you know. <laughs> How many more of these do you have? Uh, today today's a light day. I'm uh this is it for me today. Oh man, yeah. So this is this is basic um, um, Elijah Craig. Now I'm going to go through like the the procedure of like how I taste. Like this is basically how I taste as a critic. So this is this is not this is not a way to taste if you're necessarily just like wanting to drink and have a good time necessarily. But this is how I kind of look at it uh, analytically. And by the way, this is a this is this is a charity glass that I a charity I help out called the C Corp Foundation. Okay. They, they help uh, Navy SEALs um, when they get home. So this is a really important, uh, really important charity. It's named after you know Charles Humphrey Keating, who uh, Medal of Honor uh, recipient who passed away. Oh man. So this is a the American whiskey, uh, especially bourbon, is 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 really special to us in the United States. So every every dollar when you buy a bottle of bourbon 60 percent of it goes to taxes and the majority of that's going to like help build roads and schools and in, in kentucky uh you know for the state taxes so i like to tell people when you when you buy bourbon you're actually helping the children of kentucky and it's uh so this is this is straight up you know philanthropic efforts here matt to uh so that so for that much of that goes towards helping all that out uh well there's there's specific like for every Every uh, warehouse they pay like an ad valorem tax, okay. and that and that it's one of six taxes that distillers have to pay. But that ad valorem tax is earmarked for for education and roads. And our Kentucky education system is an absolute mess. And if it wasn't for bourbon, it'd be even worse. Right, oh, man. But so when it goes to be bourbon, it has to be majority corn. And it's other grains can go in there, but once it's once it's distilled, it clears the water from your tap. You know, it looks it does. It looks like vodka. Then it goes uh-huh. in the barrel, and every single day it's in that barrel. It's moving in and out of the wood, and getting all that color. So you take a look at that color there. That's a beautiful like russet amber color, you know. And so by looking at the color, you just kind of get an appreciation for it. And instead of like shooting back, it's just it's just kind of like enjoying it. Uh, much like enjoying That's how it gets its color it goes it, from clear and then the wood gives it its color yeah it's just going in and out of the in and out of the barrel and chemically changing it wow I did and not then, know that and then when you smell it so you bring it to your nose mm-hmm. and we smell it smell it with your mouth open by smelling it with your mouth open you can pick up more than just like the alcohol fumes wow you're right and this one, I'm getting some real classic kind of bourbon notes like caramel and vanilla. 
little spice there. And then when you taste it, just put a little bit on your palate and kind of feel it, feel it walk back. You feel the sweetness on the tip of your tongue, the savory, like a bread note in the middle, and the spicy, whether it's um, like a cinnamon baking spice or like a pepper spice toward the back. Yeah. If it burns at any point, like on the way down, then it's not smooth for you. The term smooth means something different to everybody. But uh, after it's down the hatch, how, lo how long it's still on the palate and what it tastes like on the palate, that is, you know, that is the beautiful finish. That is the, um, that to me is the most important part of the tasting process. Now, every taster is different, but I love a good finish. I like to feel it linger on the tongue a little bit. Man, I've already learned. I've learned more from you in the last two minutes than I've learned from anybody about this, to be honest. <laughs> already. Well, it's my pleasure. Yeah, in fact, as, as much as I've, I've had, you know, over the years, Elijah Craig, I've never really, well, I've never, this is a pretty more tamed setting for me to be doing this, I guess. Other than like the slam a shot, hurry up, do another shot, maybe mm -hmm. pour a little on ice and sip it, or I don't know why I just said that. I never, I never put it on ice. I always anything I'll do, do it warm, for some reason. So when you are when you're on tour, um, do you do you, is your what's your bus loaded with? Crown Royal. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. That's Crown a nice. That's a nice Canadian whiskey. <laughs> Once in a while, we'll switch it up, and we'll do we'll throw Jameson instead of Crown mm -hmm. Royal on the on the rider. But usually Crown Royal for myself. Uh, like you said, it's just a nice. It's just it's easy. Yeah, and it seems like everybody has it, you know. So. Uh, yeah, Crown. Cool. Crown Royal, you know, to me, like it is, it, it's out there, it's everywhere, uh, but it used to be a lot better than it is today. You know, they changed their, you know, they changed their uh, their formula, or at least the, the the ages of the of the whiskeys put in there. But you want to go back to the nineteen seventies and eighties? Uh, really, really good. Really, I didn't yeah. know that they had switched up the formula at all. Well, you know, it's it's they don't really talk about it, but it's like Coca Cola changing from uh, you know cane sugar to high fructose corn syrup, little things like that happen. Right. And I'll say and I'll say too that uh, Crown Royal has been, been very aggressive in in the rodeo market. You know, so they would like aver they would like buy up all the advertising at at the PRCA and National Finals Rodeo for a long time. So they have like a deep, deep connection to, to cowboys and, and country. I did not know that. I didn't know they were a, like a presence in the, I mean, it makes sense though. I mean, I don't know where else I would try to sell whiskey, you know, but if I, but I guess if I, if I had to try and figure it out, that'd be a good place to start. That's for sure. Yeah. It's funny. Like cowboys, cowboys are, they're an interesting market, you know. They're all about they're all about Jesus and and drinking and their dogs and their trucks and you know, you, you've dipped your toe in country a little bit. You know what that market's like. Absolutely, 
absolutely. What so your your genre your your music crosses you know many many genres. Where do you where do you see yourself now in in terms of genre? Well, I I kind of quit thinking about genre. You know, years ago I I would uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I I just and and I don't say that like for any other reason other than. You know when I when I started when I well when I started making music I was I was only uh, let's see I was I was probably about twelve maybe about twelve when I started like I really I really I started listening to rap music mm-hmm. back when I was ten because on Fridays and Saturday nights you know when I was growing up. Uh, we're gonna go back about 1984-ish, you know, uh, you know all the cable public access stuff. You know, you would only that's the only the only uh, that's the only time I could see or would see any of anything that had to do with rap. It would be like after midnight on like a, the public access show. You know, you'd see the dance shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> A group called the Fat Boys came across the oh, screen. Oh hell yeah, I remember the Fat Boys. They were well to me when I saw that come across the screen, it was like the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it was uh uh it was uh all no it wasn't all you can eat, it was uh the jailhouse rap. That's what it was, and it was a vid- it was their video for jailhouse rap, and it was just these big these three big dudes rapping about food and getting in trouble for you know, for, for, for eating food. And it was, I fell in love immediately. I was 10. And so rap music had me at 10. And again, I couldn't hear this on the radio back then. I couldn't hear any of it. It just seemed like you had to do a lot of digging and there was no Google and there was nothing like that. So it became like this big game for me to try to figure out what was this thing I was listening to and what this thing, what, what, what was I hearing and you know, who was it and uh, where does it come from? And uh, so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just drifting way off, uh, off topic, but uh, so w- it came to the rap thing. I got my first record deal when I was 15 years old. Um, that didn't work out so well, but then as I got older, we were just making more rap records and uh, songs, rap songs. And then when I got a, uh, when I got signed to Atlantic Records, Atlantic Lava Records, um, this was after like the whole Kid Rock thing, and uh, we started making song songs, not just rap songs, but we started singing with songs and adding a lot of, I don't know, we were adding pedal steel and um, just different types of instruments than, than what I'd been doing five years prior. So it just seemed like we were just, I don't know, just throwing everything into, it was like gumbo throwing everything into a big pot and seeing it was all about how the song felt at mm. the end of the, at the, so what, so that's what I was saying. That's what I meant. And I know this was, I went around my asshole to get to my elbow just now, but I really, I really just quit thinking about genre because I, uh, I, I just, genre is only important to somebody that's selling it. You know, I think in terms of, you know, where are they going to, where are they going to market it? How are they going to market it? Who are they going to target with it? And uh, I think that's 
that's the only person that mattered to, I think, was those people, you know, with the suits on, the, the record label people, you know. Um, so I guess I just quit thinking about it. So I don't really see myself anywhere, to be honest. I never, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been really, really lucky over the years. I mean, I've, I've sat pretty, I've sat at, you know, top 40 uh, and, uh, you know, adult contemporary. Uh, I've sat in these, I've sat in these, these radio stations there for years and definitely where I've, it's definitely how my kids go to college right now. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm grateful and I thank God and I've been lucky and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I've been really fortunate to where I've never really been pigeonholed when I turn a record in or a song in or, uh, you know, I'm not never really, uh, I didn't ever really had to stick to like one thing. And, uh, so I've been lucky. I got a lot of friends, uh, in the music business who, you know, they'd like to step out, you know, uh, on the ledge a little bit and do something a little different, but no one's letting them, you know, no one's, mm-hmm. no one's, it's, there's no, uh, <clears throat> there's really not, there's no, so their outlet is really nil. Yeah. Uh, so I've been lucky and, uh, and trust me, I'm not trying to be weird. Nothing, you know, with the whole, like, you know, I'll never let my artistic integrity be compromised by a genre and uh i'm not really trying to be like that at all i've been really really lucky to be able to do some rap stuff and mix it with some pop and some soul and some rock and some country and uh just to have fun well and you and and i think that kind of like owed to who you are too allowed you to uh create the song that came out earlier this year um you know about yeah about covid and and everything tell tell us about that and the influence or the you know the influence for it so that was uh that that song was just uh uh the idea had already been there i got i got really lucky i had the track sitting around and it had already been caught you know music wise and uh, uh I, I never really liked where it was and then this whole you know the whole pandemic thing started back in i don't know it was like march or something like that and the next thing i know there's no more touring going on. Nobody shoot. We weren't even leaving the house for a while. And then, uh, um, <clears throat> the song was just this fun song that I had never really completely finished. And, uh, and I wrote it with a couple of my buddies. And then, uh, one night, you know, we were sitting there on speakerphone and we were talking about actually it was FaceTime. And, uh, we were just kind of bullshitting around. And, uh, I was like, man, I want to finish that track. And then we started, you know, just going back and forth about the uh, the pandemic. Me and my buddy Freddie Paradigm, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, we we were joking about the pandemic a little bit. And uh, I guess if I, it's not a joke. I understand it's a serious thing, and you know, people are getting hurt and and that type of thing. But at the time, we were uh, we were buzzed up and talking about everything that was happening at the time, and just decided to rewrite what had already happened into a, a different song altogether. And it was, uh, it ended up no time to be sober. And, um, I wish it was a better story. It's just, it's just, it's just not, but. Well, I, you know, the funny thing is with, again, not funny, but like I am, I am a professional at this and I have drank more this year than any time in my life. And I hate to admit it, but, 
you know, your song kind of hits it on the head. It's like a lot of people are coping right now with this shit storm of 2020, you know? Yeah, you mean just like getting by, just doing whatever it takes for them to, I don't want to say stay sane, but just to, I guess like you said, just coping. Just something to, <laughs> I've drank a little bit more than I should have, you know, through this. Mm-hmm. But how much am I supposed to drink? Well, it depends on who you listen to. But if you listen to me, you know, it's going to be a different answer than the federal government. (laughs) Now, I will say that I I have made a point to no longer drink during presidential debates or vice presidential debates. That is where I get in up. trouble. Uh, it, well, I don't get riled up. I think I get depressed. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like I can't like you. you I started out like doing like uh, I used to like do a drinking game to it. Like I'd be on Twitter, we'd play around and everything. It was fun. But I, this is just it's just it's not fun anymore. Was it like one of them ones where like a word you have to drink after you hear like somebody says a certain word or like? Yeah, it'd be something like that. It's like that. And I think with Trump, it was China, you know, and and with uh, with with Biden, it was uh, uh, Scranton, you know. <laughs> so it was like, and it just like, and then you re- you're in the middle of this, and you're like, wow, this is this is the fate of our country. This is extremely depressing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is all we got. These yeah, people, I mean, it's like, here. what yeah. the hell, man? <laughs> I remember we did that back with the was it Sarah Palin with the you betcha, yeah. and then everybody would have to drink when uh, when she said you betcha, and then uh, or I think there was a uh, oh yeah, like when oh yeah came out, everybody had to take a swig. She but, was interesting. Yeah, she I, was. I I it's sad but I I kind of like I kind of like miss her because she was like she had she had the best like political character uh in SNL you know like oh yeah was it uh uh Tina Fey hey, hey, yes yeah she was that was like the best like uh parody I'd ever seen she was so and good she looked just like her too it mm-hmm. was like it was like the perfect oh man do you remember when McCain brought her out for the very first time? I just thought, oh my goodness, like this is how he was going. At, what was it? He was going at Obama at the time or something. And I was like, this guy's a genius. Look at him. <laughs> he's bringing the he's bringing the lady out. You know, like yeah. this is what he's doing. Like I'm like, he's genius. He's a genius. And then that first night, and then it was all down. It was all downhill from there. I yeah, guess. There, yeah. There wasn't a lot of vetting there, but uh, uh, at least I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder if there's a lot of vetting ever on any of these people. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, like, like then again, it's one of them things where I'm just getting older. I know I'm getting older, and you, you know, nothing shocks you anymore. Nothing surprises you anymore. But I think. I think they've been lying to us the whole time, Fred. I think, you know, growing up when they're like, and he's a doctor and he's an attorney and he's a lawyer. And then as you get older, you're like, man, fuck him. Like who told me I was supposed to look up to some of these people? Because I know some pretty scumbaggy doctors and some pretty scumbaggy lawyers. Mm -hmm. But I just always, you know, you're growing up, you looked up to these people. These were 
these were people of like those were the good jobs those were the good jobs you know well respected you thought like man you know like he's gonna grow up and be a lawyer one day and you're like yeah you know these were all just things like just one of them things they put on a pedestal so to that to that point and to the point of like your early love for rap uh i too was a huge fan of rap when i was young and my favorite was easy e and and easy e was like man he was just so good and it was uh it was actually his music was banned uh in in my school like if i was i couldn't be caught with his music uh because of the language right well i had the i had the walkman i'm walking into i'm walking into school with the walkman around my ears and i've got the jean the bleach jean jacket on and like the the ripped up <laughs> jeans my i think i had some uh, doc martens on just got my little i got my step going you know walking right. into uh middle school jones oklahoma and there's mr uh bill stevens our principal six foot four hairy as shit i mean this motherfucker was <laughs> hairy like he had hair coming out of his hair he was so hairy and and he says uh and he had a bit of a stutter and he was like fred fred fred, fred what are you listening to there and uh and i was like oh garth brooks and he's like let me see it <laughs> he grabs grabs it cracks it open easy e huh grabs me by my like my arm takes me in the principal's office calls my mom while she's at work and says uh mrs minnick your son has easy e and it was like that it was like that uh christmas story where you know ralphie ratted out the uh the his buddy for for le- teaching him how to cuss you could hear you could hear her go oh my god oh my god oh my god it, it was like i had just introduced satan into our middle school and she said uh what what do you and mr stevens asked what do you want me to do to him and she said with the with a brimstone voice of whip his ass oh and, my goodness so Mr. Stevens breaks out the paddle and crunches the uh, the tape. And, man, he spanked my ass for five minutes. <laughs> and that was a man I was supposed to look up to was Mr. Stevens, you know. So, and, it, and that was my favorite cassette tape at the time. And I was, ah, uh, it was sad. I think after that, I think I had, I, I even threw away Sir Mix a lot. I just moved on from rap. I was like, I, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get beat like that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So Those now, the good old days when they threw beatings at us. Like, oh my god! Like, that you know, that whole... that principal put holes in the paddle so he would have less wind resistance. Like <laughs> he enjoyed it. So now we're gonna. Speaking of uh, where we are, we're moving on to resilient. <laughs> I don't know how resilient I'm going to be after this. Okay, let me go here. Resilient. I'm so glad I'm not driving. Oh, that's uh, my office is right down the road from my house. <laughs> it really works out. 
perfect. So this is 14 year old Indiana bourbon, and it's coming. It's coming to you at 110.4 proof. Man, that's good. Tastes like chocolate to me. You get some chocolate in there, like a little a little chocolate pecan. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let me try this. So I find that people people tend to gravitate toward uh, whiskeys that taste like the foods they really like. What what are what are your favorite foods? What do you like mm. on, the, on the sweet side? Oh, on the sweet side. Well, well, I'm a milk chocolate fan, not a dark chocolate fan. Mm. And when it comes to like sweet stuff, it's pretty much peanut butter cups, peanut butter cups. Oh, anything with like a close to liquidy marshmallowy thing on the inside of it mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far Russell Stover's gets. You know, how some of these companies are like regional. I don't know if you guys get Russell Stover's wherever you're at. Oh yeah. But you know they do the same thing where like every holiday is a different it's a different thing like there'll be a pumpkin version of the the thing they're selling and then come then there'll be a Christmas tree version of it. It gives you a good excuse to buy it. <laughs> but I lean more towards that type of stuff when it comes to sweets. Okay. Now do you like almond butter, Nutella? So, the Nutella thing is big in my house, having kids. Mm-hmm. There's Nutella mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, I have never tried the almond butter. Mm. You're talking about like the, uh, like the, uh, I don't know, I guess it would be a, uh, like a, is it like it's supposed to be like a healthier version of peanut butter? Or is it just something? Uh, you know, it, it started. I think it started because it's an alternative to a lot of people are allergic to peanuts. You know. I meant, yeah, I meant the alternative. Thing. Yeah. Just for uh, lack of better words, I guess. But. Yeah, it and I I, I kind of fell in love with almond butter and just almonds in general, and um, you know, a big big fan of of like the almond joys. You know, I'm a big almond joy guy. One of my favorites is the almond joy because. You know, the other one's dark chocolate versus the Almond Joy being the milk chocolate. Mm. Love almonds in my Hershey's. That's good. That's good. When I was a kid, I didn't. I remember my dad would always make sure he had the almonds one so our, so us kids wouldn't touch it. <laughs> he had it all. He had it all figured out. You know, we wouldn't go near them because it had the, the almonds in them. You know, speaking of, like, um, of, of um, candy bars and stuff... Obviously, we go there. We, we we brought up Fat Boys. We might as well bring up candy bars. Yeah. Kit Kit Kat's about to have like its a hundredth anniversary. Do you feel like Kit Kats are different now than they used to be? Uh you know the the thing that I have noticed about Kit Kats is that the package is like really really tight. Like it's like so vacuum sealed. 
yeah. like the the like when you open it, like the chocolate tears off a little bit because it's yep. like if it had been exposed to any kind of heat or moisture, it just like rips off. And and so yeah, I do I do feel like Kit Kats are different. They're different nowadays, and and then even when you look at things like you know Reese's, like they keep putting out all these like I don't. <laughs> it's almost like music, like when they're like. You know how the label puts out a band, they put out a record, mm-hmm. and then they then they put out the live version, mm-hmm. and then they put out the acoustic version, mm-hmm. and then they put out the the stripped back version, like basically sell you the same album they just sold you four different times, you know, everything's like different. So you see like Reese's doing like these different I don't know, they're just they're just fucking up their chocolate to peanut butter ratio, I think. Mm. I think we need to take this uh, straight to customer service here to get this back on order. We we, we need it. Terrible though that we're talking about food during the whiskey. Well, no, listen, food is food is like so important to whiskey. Like you can taste like I'm telling you, there's I could send you five bottles of bourbon that would have that Reese's peanut butter cup note in it, and you would taste that and you're like, oh my god, this is Reese's peanut butter cup, you know. Is that how you that, that what you meant when you find that like people gravitate towards it, things that exactly yeah and it they don't even realize that it has that what you call it, a node a note like so note. like a like a like a musical note okay yeah mm-hmm. uh so people will gravitate towards these things and they don't even realize it for mm-hmm. like, you know, why yeah that's that's it. right that's right Makes so that's the next one we're going to go to is Smoke Wagon. Smoke Wagon. Let me get this out. Now you're you're in a you're in a position where you can't like tour right now, but you're right. obvi- you're obviously still honed in and doing uh, rehearsals and and working on things. Are you working on any albums right now or any songs or anything? I am. I am. I've been. Uh... I've been writing a lot uh, the last few months. Um, I'm not out of boredom or anything. I just probably for the first time in a long time I've uh, inspired, uh, become inspired. Um, but Fred, I did a uh, I did a show two nights ago, my first show in seven months. Wow! Down in. Uh, Winchester, Indiana. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it sounds like a couple of these whiskeys are Indiana. Yeah, so this one's an Indiana bourbon as well. It's made at the Lawrenceburg, Indiana distillery, uh, and then bottled in Las Vegas. That's it. Smoke wagon. Mm-hmm. Bottled in Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. So what happens is this, this distillery sells its barrels to people all over the all over the country and those people will bottle them uh for their own brands you know so if you wanted to come out with an uncle cracker straight bourbon they'd be happy to sell you a few hundred barrels if you wanted to oh wow that'd be sweet yeah i could see you with the bourbon that'd be great (laughs) that'd be awesome actually do you get to like be involved in the process of like the you know the the making of it, or you know how so. It ends up or... So I am a, I'm a writer, journalist, critic, 
I guess personality is something I've involved into. And um and I don't I don't work for a distillery or help help distilleries or anything like that. I just I just taste and 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 report and you know, say what I like, say what I don't like and um and then get to my favorite thing to do is like what we're doing right now, which is education. So we're having a you know, I get an opportunity to talk about whiskey to millions of people in my throughout my career, you know, probably about a million people throughout my career I've gotten the opportunity to educate either through my writing or my uh, through my you know events you know so it's um, that's kind of kind of what I do and I try I try not to get uh, I'm trying very hard to never work with the distillery because once I work with a distillery I'm with a distillery you know and there's there's uh, not a lot of people like there's not a lot of people in my world that do what I do. So, but once you once you would take that step, would it would that take away some that take away credibility? Uh, I I I I think so. Um, I mean, there's other people who have done things like that. I just I just can't, you know. Like I know. So let's say you know, for example, if I taste this whiskey. And it and it tastes like shit. I'm gonna say it uh-huh. tastes like shit. And <laughs> and if someone and if someone's paying me, um, you know, and if I t- say it tastes like shit, you know, I'm gonna get fired pretty quickly if it's like publicly. And right. and like and and I so I just I'm just keeping myself from ever getting into that situation. Smart. Smart. I, it's, I, I think if uh. I love that you're uh, you're more into the education part of it too. I love that. Yeah, that's my favorite part. So many people, I think, are uneducated when it comes to this. Like myself, you know, I like I was saying, you know, just even learning how to like smell it and where to place it, and uh, you know, the smell it with your mouth open. I would have never even, I would have never thought that. Just like mm, let's smell, but makes a difference, you know, and. Uh, even to look for the notes like you were talking about, I never, I don't know, I just never did that. You know, I think I, I found myself one time uh, in one of those wine testing or tasting things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh, and it, it was, I mean, it was somewhat of a learning. Uh, uh, the person in front of me wasn't as, wasn't as, they weren't as smart as you are. They didn't, they didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't walk away feeling like I knew anything more than I did when I walked in. Well, I'll say like my I have a belief of of like teaching people how to taste but not tell them what they should taste. And in um in a lot of like tasting circles, people will just start throwing things out and they're like, "Oh yeah, I get that. I get that." And you know, we have a short time here, but you know, normally like I would have um if we had like a you know, structured class, where I could teach you like how each, you know, to, to look for things in each part of the palette for a little bit longer, you know, then you're looking at, you know, it could really, really dial in and get you to, um, to understand and, and understand, and understand what you like and what to look for on your palette. So I would tell you, since you told, you told me two things in our conversation about the things you like. You told me you like peanut butter and you like chocolate. You ha- so that means you like bitter and you like savory. 
So I my encouragement to you would to see how things feel on the middle of your mouth and and by the side because you know some a lot of times bitterness will kind of come in on the side as well uh -huh. as as well as the tip of the tongue. So look look for things that are kind of in the middle of the tongue toward uh, toward the tip and see if you get any kind of action on the sides. And I'll tell you, we do have one of those one of those whiskeys coming up. I don't feel like we've had one yet. What we've had here have been kind of like um, pretty typical in the in like the sweetness range, but no real no real prominent savory yet. But you're still liking them, so I'm I'm still hitting a hundred here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this one though, this was the smoke wagon. Yeah. <clears throat> It had a little bit on the sides. I don't know if it was. It was kind of a burnt, like a burning, like a. Well, I should have told you the uh, proof on it. This one too. This is a hundred and eleven proof. Oh wow! That was that where the burns coming from? The. It, well, so so here's the thing though. Was it was it an uncomfortable burn? It was a surprise burn. There wasn't. It didn't, wasn't uncomfortable. Okay. I like, uh, I think if we compare it to the resilient, however, um, which, by the way, that is uh, my mistake. The resilient was not an Indiana bourbon; it was a Tennessee bourbon. Ugh. I don't know why I said it was Indiana, but anyway, it um, the that one also was 110, and I felt like that one felt was was more relaxing on the palate than than the, than the smoke wagon. It that, was. So I think that could just be a matter of the alcohol content there. If we added a little bit of water, I'm sure it, it would change. But now we, I want to take you to Rabbit Hole. Okay. Now this one, as I mentioned, this is in the running for my, for my best uh, American whiskey. Okay. Specifically in the rye category. What's what's the difference between bourbon and rye? So rye, rye is its own uh, category of whiskey. So rye is a grain. You know, you've heard of rye bread and rye muffins and so forth. Well, they will also make whiskey out of rye. Rye used to be very famous in the Northeast, especially in uh, in Pennsylvania, New York, and Maryland. Uh, then it kind of fell out of fashion. You know, prohibition certainly didn't help it, and they did not really recover from prohibition to be honest with you they had a little bit of a moment but it went away and so all these distilleries kind of went away and we didn't really see rye make a comeback until that indiana distillery i was telling you about uh started pushing rye out to independent bottlers who were bottling them and now everybody's making rye to include this kentucky distillery called uh, rabbit hole who used to contract with another distillery called new riff and and so they age these barrels for six years and to be right has to be at least 51 percent right now rye is a little bit you can get some shenanigans in there because if you don't see the word straight they can add like flavoring in it uh -huh. but but this one does not have flavoring added to it i do however think it has that reese's peanut butter cup note shit i didn't mean to plant that on you i shouldn't have done that now you're gonna be, now you're gonna be looking for it. Yeah. 
that's a good whiskey. <laughs> I don't feel the. Uh... I don't feel the peanut butter, or taste it, or the. Uh... But it went down so easily. Mm. It had the. Uh... It had in the sides. It gave sides. Me a little... Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Did you say like a bitter? bitterness? A yeah, like bitterness. a bitterness. Yeah, like kind of like a chocolate bitterness. You know, chocolate is is in essence bitter, and and the bitterness notes really pop up on the sides, and you know, it did, and, and not in a bad way, just in a in a way that I never until you explained it, like what to look for and mm-hmm. like notice. You know that things pop up in different ways or different spots, I guess. Well, I'll see if I can get uh, I'll see if I can get a whole bottle sent to you, so you can spend a little bit more time with this one. And then this I'm gonna crap. and then I'm gonna send you a couple others that have that uh, peanut butter note in there. So oh, so so this is the the education with me is never gonna stop. You're 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 a you're a student for life here. So I, I got it. We gotta you know we 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 share a lot of mutual friends. So I wanna wanna make sure we get you. Uh, get you on the right whiskey train so you never touch vodka again you know, <laughs> you know so that, that, you, that and also calorically you know it's all about the proof and the only reason why the vodka was uh, uh less caloric was because it was 80 proof so just so the higher the proof the more the calories that's right we're ingesting a lot of calories tonight my friend <laughs> as we go to collaboration well i know we've tasted a few i'm dropping stuff now you didn't spill it on yourself did you no nope i dropped the cap it's fine it's fine everything everything's fine i'm fine There's got to be a story behind that. It's fine. There's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Because my my former assistant used to do that too when when something happened. And I was like, there's something there with that. Uh, now when you say uh, in collaboration, is that just the name of the the thing, or is that? Yeah. So look, this this distillery works with other distilleries. It's Bardstown Bourbon Company. And they worked with other distilleries to, uh, you know, finish some whiskeys in in various different various barrels, and this is in like a, a Muscat barrel, which is like a real sweet wine. Uh, honestly, it's so sweet, like it's like you're you're putting sugar straight to your tongue. The wine is, but the finish, you know, this is fruit forward. It's very it's very very different. It's very very different. It's not going to taste anything like we just had. Okay. Mm-mm. That is sweet, too. Let's go again.
Whew. You got a little sting on the way down. A little, I say burn, but maybe that's not the right word. For that. If you're feeling it on the way down, it's it's not smooth for you. It is burn. And I'll tell you, this one is not, um, this one does not feel complete to me. Like it's not, it's not all together. And then when I, when I opened up the, the bottle, um, I could see some kind of like condensation around the top. I saw some like, uh, the, the cork was incredibly saturated. So I don't know. There might be like some, uh, some evaporation action happening on the bottle, but yeah, of the ones I sent you, this is one that I probably, probably looking back, I probably should have taken a closer look at it, but typically these collaborations are pretty good. Now, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. But, you know, so one of the greatest distillers of all time, Jim Rutledge, he uh, was a master distiller for Four Roses. He believed smoking helped his palate. Really? For whiskey, yeah. Did he have, Did he say why? Yeah, mostly because he smoked and he has a great palate, and he's just gonna he's gonna go, gonna run with it, right? You know, like me, I'm gonna say Ascot's helped my palate. You know, so it's because I gotta <laughs> I wear Ascot's. You know. <laughs> oh, I know. I was gonna ask you, and I didn't want to interrupt you. The Muscat Muscat barrel mm-hmm. was it a the barrel? What is what does Muscat mean? What is that? Uh, it's just it's just the name of a grape. It comes uh, the origins are like Italy. It's a uh, muscatel uh, here. It's you know muscat and it's um, um, there's some other names for it throughout the South. But it's a it's a southern in in the U S. It's very like uh, you know southern cultures drink a lot of this. Like people who like sweet tea t- typically like this. So if you know someone who likes sweet tea, who is like fried chicken and sweet tea guy. He's gonna like this. Okay. The Muscat. I had to. I had to ask. I couldn't. I couldn't think. Of, so I'm finding myself going back to the resilient. Resilience to pick. I I did like the rabbit hole too, to be honest. But the the resilient seemed like for me. I don't know why. It seemed like the the easiest. You know, it's. I could probably get in trouble the easiest with it. Well, it's definitely high on the chocolate. That makes sense. For, you know, on my palate, it's definitely high on the chocolate. No peanut butter, but high on the chocolate. Like chocolate milk, kind of chocolate milk style. Right. Too funny that you brought that up. I I, would have never... It just makes sense, but just not something that I ever... Again, this is my first time I've ever like dove in and like sure looking for anything or yeah. Well, here we are. We're just we're just like trying to you know we're trying to figure it out, right? We're trying to figure out what we like. Uh, it's a never-ending journey, and you know if your if your goal is to taste versus like intoxication, it's a very different experience, you know. Sure. And, and, and tasting and, and analyzing a little bit, you, you definitely can. Um, you know, learn more about yourself as well in terms of what you like. So it's always, it's always to me a good time when, I, when I get to taste with a, with a friend or a new friend. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to spend some time with me tonight. 
Fred, me too, Fred. I hope you keep me in mind. I would. I. I think I could get into this. Uh, the, the tasting part. Of course, I like a buzz. <laughs> I don't know many people that don't, but I enjoy the. I. I'm. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this. I. I, I like the. Uh, I like being able to like try to pinpoint things and figure it out. It seems like a. Uh, Seems like something I could get into. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, I'll I'll keep sending you bottles. I'll have people send you bottles, um, and we'll get you. I'll get you in like a uh, a rotation, if you will, and we'll, we'll keep this up. We'll keep this That'd up. Be awesome. That'd because be great, because what I don't want, I don't want you going back to vodka here, Matt. You know, <laughs> I keep I. I keep saying this, and hopefully, you know, it'll it'll come through. But um, it's it, you know, it's uh, it's a quest of mine to flip all vodka drinkers. Am I am I uh, am I right somewhat at all at all right when I say I I, I want to say that I've heard something where somebody said that whiskey is vodka, or it's like. Like when they make it, it's just refined more so, I guess. Where mm. if they stopped at a point, it would be vodka. Or well, uh, so here's here's basically uh, vo- vodka's closest relation. To be honest with you, and this is not to be mean, uh, is ethanol. So ethanol and vodka are distilled at the same proof points, above 190 proof. And so that's basically 10 proof points off from being pure alcohol. And, you know, when they, when they just, uh, here's the story of vodka. So the story of vodka is it's neutral grain spirit. It did not have a federal definition in the United States until 1958. And the, um, the world at that time really took to it because they could have their two or three martinis at lunch and no one could smell it on their breath when they went back to work. And the the youth of that time uh, was really against what their parents drank, so they stopped drinking bourbon and, and brandies and scotches and moved move to vodka. And vodka basically cleaned the house and the spirits community for a very long time. And still does very well and basically the majority of vodka is made at three distilleries uh owned by cargill publicly traded adm publicly traded and mgp ingredients publicly traded now there's nothing wrong with that you know but what happens is these three distilleries make all of this vodka and then sell it to someone else and they say it's from russia or they say it's from Texas, or they attach a celebrity to it, and then they increase it up to like 40, 50 bucks, when it costs like two, three bucks a bottle to make, and they're pushing all that up. And then when it doesn't sell, what happens is the the people who own vodkas also have interest in other types of spirits. And so they start uh, paying for like slots inside liquor stores so they'll pay for like like an entire section for their particular product or they'll say if you don't carry our bourbon 
Uh, or if you don't carry our vodka, if you don't buy six cases of our vodka, you don't get this one bottle of bourbon that we have. That's what happens uh, in the industry. And vodka is just kind of, to me, like, you know, it's very dirty. And it's like it's an industry pushing it on people versus consumers pulling it to them. And that is why I hate vodka. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I can definitely be converted. I'm positive. I'm positive. I love it. You're bourbon positive. Pretty dirty trick, though, with the vodka, with them those moves. Yeah, well, you know, the liquor industry is, you know, pretty connected to the mafia industry at some point. You know, it's a uh, it's a dirty business. <laughs> oh man! So what what is new for you? What's coming out? What's what's next? What can we expect to be seeing? Well, just like I said, just been writing and working on new stuff. It's well, as you know, the it's a whole different. Uh, the landscape's different when it comes to, you know, writing and recording records. You know, used to. Years ago, it was, you know, you'd go years in between albums because of, well, because of record labels and, you know, planning and things like that. But now with everything being so, you know, all digital and the way that it's much easier to come out with songs every month as opposed to, you know, a project every couple few years. So just kind of working on heading into a direction of, releasing more songs more often mm -hmm. and and also we're we're at a point now where like you know musicians don't need record labels like they used to you know like you can be supremely independent absolutely absolutely you know you just you know a long time ago you just needed their money and uh now you just well now you don't you, you like you, you you don't need them nobody needs them at this point you know with you know as far as I mean, there's. I think the. Uh, I think the way things used to work still work a little bit like that, you know, when done right. But it doesn't have to be. There's so many people break broke the mold on it, you know, and even 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 like in our in our in our age group, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've seen people doing it. Uh, well, look, when you go back and you look at people like Eze and NWA and them, you know, they. They were doing things like that without labels. You know, it was it was about the consumer. It was about, you know, people liking it and bringing it to themselves as opposed to somebody shoving it down their throats, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the aisle. Uh, I don't know. Just to focus on good music and good songs, I think a good song will find a place anywhere. Uh, and it doesn't have to be sold, sold. You know, if, uh, I wouldn't want somebody listening to anything if you know if somebody was making them listening to it you know i'd yeah. much rather have somebody listening to it because they picked it up and they found it and they enjoyed it and uh, uh like a good like a good whiskey you know like yeah. something something i found and I'm, you know you you you're buying it and because you enjoy it as opposed to somebody having marketed the shit out of it and threw it right in your lap you know there's so many similarities to uh to whiskey and music and that's why like i love interviewing musicians because you all are you know connected to yourselves there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people who are actually connected to themselves but you're always thinking about a song and how you feel 
and tasting is very similar. And if you can connect your brain to your tongue, it's the same thing. And and it's and it's um, I mean, right now, I see so many like you know young musicians, uh, you know, kind of coming up the ranks and just like doing their thing on Instagram or YouTube. And it makes no sense to me about what hits, like what gets the thousands and millions of views. It makes no sense to me. And it's like, how does anybody figure out who's going to be the next star in this world? (laughs) My goodness. If we could figure that out, we'd be rich. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But you're right, though. I I can't, for the life of me, I'll hear things... But I guess it's always been like that, you know. That I couldn't, I couldn't put my thumb on why something hits or doesn't hit, or uh, and especially you know nowadays. And and I feel like my my I feel like my parents, you know, when I listen to some of these things that my kids are listening to, and I'll be like, what the fuck is that? Like, what are you even listening to? You know. And, and I grew up listening to you know the Easy E's and the NWAs and you know things like that that would have made my you know, my grandparents shit themselves, you know, <laughs> had they heard what I was listening to. And, uh, but I hear, I, I find myself in the same position. I don't know if I'm old and cranky, uh, not giving it a chance, you know, maybe, maybe I would like it if I listened, but I don't know, man. Some of the things that, some of the things that people gravitate towards, I, I don't get, man. but isn't I think that's the beauty of it though, too, is it there's an ass for every seat and, uh, when somebody finds something they really, really dig and, you know, and it's special to them, I think that's what, that's what ultimately counts in the end, you know, whether it be a, a an artist or a song or a, or a, or a whiskey or a, mm-hmm. or, you know. Cheers to that, my friend. Well, this is going to be the last time that we get together uh, for sure. I hope the next time is in person. Uh, but you're gonna have more whiskey coming from me. You're gonna get in that rotation. You're gonna get. You're, uh, you're gonna. We're gonna train that palate. You're gonna. You know, I can't so, wait, Fred. Thank you so much for this too. I appreciate it. And so when we when we go on that next tour, it's not just Crown Royal or Jameson. You know, there's gonna be a couple other things. And by the way, keep Jameson and Crown Royal in that mix. I think those are great, uh, especially for the price point. Hopefully someone else is buying them for you, but that, yeah. you know, but those are those are good buys, um, you know, for what they are. Yeah, hopefully we can see some rabbit hole in there. I really like the resilient. That's good. That's good. All right, my but friend. I, got, I do have to be honest. The Elijah Craig, though, in the beginning was. I don't know. I don't want to say standard, but it felt like. The Elijah Craig felt like what I think of when I think of whiskey for some reason. Like it's it's like the exact. If I go in and I'm thinking of something about whiskey, Elijah Craig tastes like what I thought. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, I was positive I didn't spit that out right, but I mean it's uh, and you're not wrong, and you're not wrong. <laughs> Thank God, because I usually, I usually, yeah. uh, I find that very hard to believe. 
Well, as I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, like I've listened to you for years and it's usually when I'm drinking. Uh, so it's good to drink with you in person. And uh, I, I can't wait for the next time, my friend. I Cheers. can't either. Cheers, Fred. Thank you. Absolutely. Be safe out there. And uh, remember, vodka sucks. Remember that. <laughs> and that was an awesome interview. It was a great opportunity for me to speak with someone who was kind of like a music uh, idol for me. Um, you know, I love Uncle Cracker. I think his music is amazing. But getting to know him a little bit, too, and getting him in my whiskey fold, we're breaking him out of vodka. I mean, how cool is that? This man's never going to go back to vodka after that interview. Think about that for a second. We're making changes here at the Fred Minnick Show. What a great moment. That man, Matt Schaefer, will never drink vodka again. At least, that's what what I'm going to tell myself. So, as we close out, I have to tell you, next week... We've got a really cool interview. It's the spooky Halloween special. In fact, I am talking to an alien from Antarctica, otherwise known as uh, Jismak Degusha from Gwar. And we're going to talk about drinking bourbon while you have a dead baby's head on your shoulder. Um... yeah, yeah, yeah. So Google Gwar and get used to Gwar before that's G W A R Gwar before before we have that interview next week, and you'll you'll see it in person on YouTube, but uh, on the video on the on the audio, you may you may walk over, walk away a little scared. So just prepare yourself for for what's to come because aliens will be there so that's going to do it for this week's episode thank you so much for joining make sure you're following us on all the social media just look for my name fred minnick big thanks to pamela fur clay bush um travis wade andrew goodfriend gary krantz justin zweig all the people who help make this podcast happen be safe out there everybody don't go looking handrails don't go looking trash cans remember vodka sucks Unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers. That's it for this week's Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Manscaped. Enter Smooth Fred to save 20% at checkout. By 291 Colorado Whiskey. By Beeline. And by Michter's. For all things Fred, just go to fredminnick.com.